0: Well, welcome to FinTech Impact. Just a reminder, before we get started, as always, please sign up for my newsletter at jasonperey.ca where you get notifications of all future podcasts, blog posts, and other goings on. Now, on today's show. Today on the show, I have Sean Brown, president and CEO of YCharts. YCharts is an online next-generation platform for charting and displaying various forms of data in easy-to-use, digestible, and user-friendly ways. And with that, here's my interview with Sean. Hello, Sean. Hey, Jason. How are you? Good. Thanks for uh, taking the time today. I really appreciate you having me on. Well, I appreciate you making the time. So uh, Sean Brown, President and CEO of YCharts. Tell us about YCharts.
1: Charts is a cloud-based Swiss Army knife that helps you with two things. One is it helps you with uh, to make smarter investment decisions. And number two is it helps you improve communication. And uh, we have kind of tailor-built this Swiss Army knife for wealth advisors and asset managers.
0: So we're going to dive into everything it is you do, and Swiss Army knife is a very good analogy for it. I'll just I'll give you that, that much. So before we dive into it, tell us about the history of charts. Where did it come from? What was the problem that, was, that needed to be solved in the marketplace?
1: Came into being in 2009, so a little bit over 10 years old, and originally came to market as a fundamental research tool targeted at retail investors. So, the original premise was there really weren't sufficiently broad and deep tools to help retail investors understand markets. And so, our, our founder, I wasn't one of the founders, I came on four years ago, named the company Y Charts, which I liken a little bit to Jeff Bezos naming his company Online Books. You know, sometimes we get in conversations with prospects and like, well, charts, you know, I've got the charting that we need. And I say, you know, that's when I start the dialogue about Swiss
0: Army knife and there's a lot of blades and let's talk to you about your business problems. Absolutely. So you started off in retail, but clearly that has not been the place you stayed. You were very prominent in the RIA space, and I think some of the broker, of the broker dealers as well. What led to the evolution away from consumer? I'm not sure how much you still service consumer, but so let's ask the first question. How much you still service consumer? How much of it is, is advisor, practitioner, and what led to that evolution?
1: Yes. Yeah, so we still we have uh, about 5,500 total. Clients right now, about a thousand of them are retail investors. So we have not in any way turned our back on the retail market. We just think when you're a software company and you're a startup, you spend some time trying to figure out product market fit. Where is it that the value prop in our DNA is the most relevant and can provide the most value? And I think what we've discovered through time, like every startup I've ever been part of, is sometimes it's what you originally thought it was, and sometimes it's not. And I think what we've found through time is we've got just a, a great set of capabilities that is really most relevant to RIAs and broker dealers and to asset management wholesalers. And so those are who we create a product roadmap for. Those are who we market to. But honestly, if, if somebody comes that's a, a university endowment or a buy-side, sell-side analyst, and they have two things, if they have a, an email address and a credit card, we're still welcome them to use our, our software.
0: So as the name gives it away, you just the name charts. You guys are a highly visual medium for basic analytics of data. So and I think you've done a very clean and very intelligent job of laying this out. So let's talk about like let's let's start diving into the Swiss Army knife use cases in general, right? So basically what is the most popular function that people utilize Y charts for? Yeah. So everybody comes in to our
1: dashboard. That's the landing page that you jump in on. So the purpose of the dashboard is to track things that are important to you. If that's stocks, ETFs, mutual funds, economic indicators, and news. So the launch and the most common place that people come and spend some time is the dashboard, which is custom configured for the user. So obviously, that's that's a great place to learn things. You know, where are you seeing red numbers? Where are you seeing green numbers? Where are you seeing lines go in in directions that interest you, which leads you to tunnel deeper from there?
0: Excellent. So basically the first stop to find out everything going on the market, your portfolios, whatever it might be, all customizable mm-hmm. to make it relevant. I'm going to go down kind of some of the function lists I see. So building and utilization of model portfolios. What is your approach to this or how you made this different or compared to some of your competitors and more easily digestible than some of the stuff that's out there? Yeah, let me, let me take a quick step back from there and sure. just tell you what
1: I, what I think our value prop is in sure. aggregate. Our value prop is we make the complex easy and the easy quick. And we do this in a couple of ways. We have great commodity data, but I do want to stress it's commodity data. And it's either stuff that we've bought from the leading vendors in the space, or we've self-cultivated from all of the major government agencies so that we can tell you everything from coronavirus statistics to housing starts to GDP figures uh, across the globe. So a whole lot of great data, a very easy to use platform and user interface that if you can use a a Google browser, you can master our software. And then the third element, which is is not very typical for SaaS software companies, is support. We're Mm -hmm. actually really big on our clients knowing an account manager. And our account managers and our support team is there to help at no extra charge to our customers. So with that said, you know, there's three legs to our stool data, easy to use Mm -hmm. tools, and then customer support. To answer your questions about model portfolios. Yeah, We think models are a huge wave of the future. It's professional investment management that contemplates the concepts of diversification and it's prepackaged. So what we help advisors do is there's about 10,000 commercial models out there. That's a big number. So how do I know which model's good for me? We help them compare and select the right model for them.
0: Excellent. I mean, it's interesting when some of the data that your sales rep gave me in terms of number of indexes and data points, I almost felt my share. I mean, I'm used to big numbers, but sometimes they're even more daunting than I remember. And I'm actually glad you went there with the value prop. because I mean, the reality is, is in this world, as you said, the, com- the commodity data, it's data is commoditized, right? We can get these things from the data sources uh, as long as you want to pay for it. But really what it comes down to for any business to be successful in the space is what you layer over top of that in the UI, UX, and how you bring what's important into the forefront of the Mm -hmm. entire consumer experience. So I picked on model portfolios because that was one of the core functions on your website. But in in general, I mean, let's talk about how you have, like you mentioned data that is non-market conventional, right? So you talk about COVID stats or whatever Mm -hmm. else it might be. So what kind of other data beyond market data and the simple examples you given the date are you able to access on your platform?
1: Okay. So besides, let's talk real quick about securities. So for stocks, ETFs, and mutual funds, it's everything from all of the historical price data, all of the key statistics, what are the holdings, what are the risks, what are the exposures, all of the financial calculations on top of that, PE ratios, et cetera. So for securities, we've got all the statistics I think you could be asking for and the ability Mm -hmm. to look at them, the ability to chart them, the ability to to chart them against each other, etc, so if you go into a whole different category of data though economic data again it 's everything from employment to wages to housing starts to GDP to agricultural levels to I just did a tweet this morning where I noticed that um, housing starts month over month was released this morning. I quickly uh-huh. do a chart on housing starts and i 'm able to see. Housing starts for the month of April had the biggest decrease in history, right? Mm -hmm. So what's the relevance of that? Well, if my clients have portfolios that are dependent on construction-related things, I sure do want to understand some of those macroeconomic things associated Mm -hmm. with it. So just a a breadth of 20,000 economic indicators that's pretty readily accessible.
0: I mean, just managing that volume of data. I mean, you mentioned 20,000 indicators, uh, you know, your website boasts over 45,000 mutual funds ETFs and CEFs. CF- I mean, that's a huge amount. One of the things I will comment on you off the bat is is the screening tools you've built are, are very robust. I've used some other tools that will go unnamed that have been <laughs> a little bit frustrating to try to drill down to just the exact thing you're looking for. And you managed to put together a pretty slick interface for defining a universe, defining filters, defining specific factors and exposures you're looking for, and being able to kind of multi-tier draw down. I'm curious, so what level of engagement are you seeing from users in terms of accessing these like 20,000 levels? I'm sure you have like an 80-20 rule, right? Where like 80% mm-hmm. of the data, you know, everybody's going to have the S&P number up on front of their dashboard. But the more extraneous stuff, how much engagement do you get down there? So screening... And building comparables,
1: tables, and and time series analysis, those tend to be more episodic in Mm -hmm. our users' life cycle. It's not a daily thing that they come into and are checking their portfolio or or looking at their custom email report or creating a model portfolio and seeing the performance. It's more once every two weeks or once a month that our users are coming in saying, hey, I may have a rebalancing event. I may have a need to tax uh, harvest and I need to make some changes. So that's when they start to use things like screeners. And that's when they can start to get into some of the exotic securities that aren't in the Russell 3000 or S&P 500. And the screener, what I love about the screener from a personal standpoint is nobody has the ability to be an expert or even knowledgeable about 45,000 securities. But within a couple clicks and a couple parameters, you can get down to, hey, what was your index universe? What are the parameters you're looking for? You're looking for those that have consistently paid a dividend and are in the top 10% of their comparable universe. You can get that in 15 seconds which may help you support some thesis that you're operating under.
0: Absolutely. So basically, really, what you're saying here is that there is kind of almost like a two-stage usage of this, right? There is, or three-stage, we'll call it, right? There's the informational aspect, which I go in. I can see my snapshot. I can see where everything stands, uh, get that down. There's the pre-programmed piece where I go in and I program the things that matter to me, the mm-hmm. portfolios, whatever else it is. And then there's the kind of task-oriented stuff where essentially you need to go in and modify it off the bat, is, and, and do the rebalancings or whatever mm-hmm. tests is necessary. Yep. Uh, and then I guess the last part is, of course, just the, just the random random journeys of screening and trying to see what kind of cool things you can find on your platform, because you got to imagine there's quite the number of interesting, fascinating data points that one would never think to mm-hmm. actually uh, actually find on their own. So talk to me then about the dynamic of the output. So you basically allow us to allow the user to basically graph that data in any number of forms, just how customizable and how much degree, how much freedom do people have over running the look and feel and and total experience of that?
1: I think the right amount is the answer to your question. Most of our product direction honestly comes from us working with focus groups of our target market. -hmm. Give you an example. Let's just let's take the simple visual one. I'll I'll tell you, advisors and asset managers are distilling their analyses very, very often. That comes out in the form of a chart. A Mm -hmm. chart may be put in a reactionary statement to a client who says, "Hey, can you update me on the Fang stocks?" It may come in them just wanting to be proactive and tweet out something like I did this morning about housing starts. Mm -hmm. A whole lot of reasons you want to communicate something, and usually the best visual is a chart. And so our real focus is what level of customization do you want? First of all, custom colors, right? Hey, Mm -hmm. I I got a firm with a certain color scheme, logo. I want my logo on there, and then I want all kinds of parameters to say: Am I interested in the price? Am I interested in a percentage off high? Am I interested in normalizing? So we think we've we've made it not only very customizable for a an enterprise or an institution, but also very easy to to draw your unique type of chart that isn't always just what's the price action.
0: So how much of your actual and current UI has basically been driven by those focus groups? I mean, where I'm curious as to how much. You know, every company has the same thing where they assume that they have an idea or a plan that they want to put in place. And then of course, it never survives first encounter with the enemy being the end user. Yeah. And then they retool. So how much of that that innovation is driven by in-house thinking versus uh, the feedback you basically garner from the focus groups? Yeah, it's an awesome, awesome question. I, I think one of the things
1: I've always hated, I've been in the software industry for 25 years. What I've always hated is when you entrust engineers to UI. I just find, honestly, I, and I'm a former software developer, right? So I'm, I'm not in any way denigrating a, a, a hardworking profession. I'm just saying that doesn't mean you're in tune with UI. So the answer to your question is an absolute ton. And the way we ensure that happens is in the form of investing in a strong product management group. I just am mm-hmm. such a huge believer in software that the guardians of doing the right thing in your organization are the product management group. And the product management group, honestly, they're touching and feeling our customers through sales calls, through customer support calls, and listening in and and understanding stuff. But they also are prior professionals in the industry. So they know the workflow. They live and breathe the needs. So in some cases, they're making the decision based on their past experience. In a lot of cases, they're running it by a couple trusted users
0: saying, hey, what do you think makes most sense for the placement of this button? So tell me, I mean, we talked about Briefly about the degrees of freedom. You said the right amount. Basically, when it comes to the end user trying to put together their reports and Mm -hmm. everything they want to show to the end client, it's one thing for us to have a good dynamic, malleable interface for us to play around with. It's Mm -hmm. something else entirely to give a create a client deliverable. Just how much flexibility have you built in there to satisfy your end users?
1: Yeah, that's that's a great question. Huge part of our value prop is if you think about it like the painting analogy. Well, first of all, you can come to our tools with a, a blank template and you mm. can pick your colors and do whatever you want with your artwork. But if we know you're trying to create a seascape, we think there's more work we can be doing to get you further along. So I'll give you a, a tangible example that's outside of the art domain. We know a lot of our users create a chart because they want to put it in a quarterly economic analysis, which they hate to create. We know their workflow. Yes. They put this together once a quarter. What we've done is say, hey, you can come to us and just build your own chart or do your on screen. That's fine. But if you have maybe one of those people that's creating quarterly economic analysis, here's a PowerPoint deck we've created for you with what we think is 80% of what you need. The charts, mm. the verbiage, the insights, edit it as you see fit. We also have this functionality called Quick Flows, which is a, a tab on the right side of, of screens that allows you to now say, hey, we know a lot of times when you're using our software, what you want to see is the performance since the coronavirus impact, February 18th or 19th. That's uh,
0: kind of a timeline uh, yeah. demarcation. Yeah.
1: Quickly click on that. Hey, we have coronavirus statistics in our software. You can pull them up on our charts on your own, but we know a lot of you are really worried living in New York. So we've created mm-hmm. those charts, pre can those reports, go into our template, select New York or Illinois or Canada or the UK. You pick the state or country and pick the statistic you want. We've done the work for you. So our goal is we'll give you the blank slate. But if we know what we think you're trying to achieve, we try to get that work done for you. So all you have to do is a quick edit or a quick tweak, custom colors, and you can tweet that out immediately.
0: Fantastic. So what is it that they tell you that you have helped enable in their lives that they
1: couldn't do without you? Two things. One, and and they all wrap up into, especially with wealth advisors, you help us justify our fees. And the way you do that is appreciably higher investment returns. And the other thing they tell us a lot, we did a a survey on this, we save them 3.6 hours per week of time. And it doesn't matter whether you're a retail customer or a wholesaler or an asset manager or whatever you are, time is at a premium right now. And so our customers have kind of told us, wealth advisors have said to us, my time's worth $200 an hour, and you save me 3.6 hours of time a week, which correlates into 600% plus ROI. And they say, I'm an investment professional. I get ROIs. So they say, thanks for saving me time. You make it easy to use. You get me further along in where I'm trying to get to. And you're integrated in the right pieces. And so your value is uh, is more than commensurate
0: with what I'm paying you. Excellent. So let's talk about integrations. Uh, what integrations have you done to date that are the more popular ones you've done?
1: So on the back end, obviously, we're integrated with a whole bunch of wonderful data sources. If you happen to be a user of Motley Fool or Seeking Alpha, we are integrated in the user's experience if they wanted to create a post. If you create something in YCharts and you quickly want to tweet it out or post it to the Fool or, or Seeking Alpha, you can quickly do that. So next on our plan list is probably a direct linkage into LinkedIn. We're seeing an awful lot of our customers say, hey, I'm, I'm regularly posting on LinkedIn and I'm fine copy pasting into a post. But if you can save me 10 seconds, please do. So those are the big areas we're integrating. So
0: you're staying very focused specifically on the communication piece, right? Like this is about communication of value, communication of understanding and knowledge. So it makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense. So before we wrap up, there's three questions I ask everybody that basically um, get you kind of thinking and hopefully leads to some interesting conversations. If you had one wish or something you can change in your business or in the industry as a whole, what would it be? I would
1: challenge the industry, especially those that are serving their end customers, to put themselves more often in the shoes of their customers, mm-hmm. and especially with the wealth advisors, am I really earning one percent of my assets under management, and what would it take there? To- to feel like I earned that. Well, I'd want to be indispensable in their lives and I'd want to be saving them a whole lot of stress and worry. And if you can get yourself into that position by having great investment guidance and fantastic regular communication, then you should
0: feel pretty good that your fees are justified. Yeah, the one, the one thing you can't chart effectively is uh, individualized advisor alpha or, or gamma or whatever it was. You crack yeah. that one and you will have every advisor signing up for your yeah, platform you, by default. Yeah, you bet, you, bet, you yeah, bet. Unfortunately, that is not a data feed. <laughs> so moving on, next question. What's been the biggest challenge that you guys have faced in getting the platform to where it is today? I think as a startup, We've been a small company for a
1: while. It's you have to go through certain steps to earn your credibility and to earn your street credentials. So the challenge we have faced is having the patience to know it takes you a long time before you've earned mm-hmm. some big things. We just recently consummated a deal a couple quarters ago with Northwestern Mutual for several hundred seats. That mm-hmm. didn't come on day one of 2009, Wow. It's understanding as much as you think you could replace every Bloomberg terminal that is in the world, saying that's not realistic. So what are your realistic goals to serve your customers the best you can and understand there's all kinds of opportunities in the future?
0: Yeah, and it's kind of interesting you went there because, um, I mean, first off, it's not like you were coming in competing in a blue ocean, right? You were you were basically dealing with a lot of behemoths in the space, right? You had the morning stars, you had the Bloombergs of the world who had been very entrenched for a very long time, right? And you come along as the scrappy little upstart with a better way of doing things. And I almost wonder how much, I mean, as much as, as, much as charting and communication is vital, I mean, you must have seen some pushback and like, ah, this function is this taken care of, right? Like, mm-hmm. I almost feel like this is a, you have to have almost a paradigm shifting mindset conversation with them to understand that, no, it's not about just click in these two dates and get from here to here. It's about being able to layer on all the levels of additional data and comparisons and other key salient factors and being able to customize all that That. That basically is going to enhance that. How did that mm-hmm. conversation go all together? Like, how much education was there in that? Well, I mean, Jason, you're bringing up a fantastic point,
1: which is there are layers of obstacles or opportunities you face. One of the yeah. very basic ones you always face in when you have a product is inertia. And mm-hmm. our target demographic is generally speaking, uh, late 40s in age and above. That demographic is not typically known as being the most tech forward, bleeding edge, try new things. In fact, in many cases, they're they stuck on the way they've done it for a long, long time. Yeah. So I think one of the biggest things we've tried to do over the years is say, we're playing a long game here. We want people to learn, explore. We want to make it easy for them to try our software. We understand the timing may not be right. We understand that they may not have time to even understand the features we've got and how we're differentiated. How can we provide them value now? Data, charts, interesting analyses to build a brand that we can get in conversation with them. And hopefully someday, if there's a fit, turn that into a client relationship. And I think we we really started with this mindset several years ago. And we're now getting in a lot of discussions now with somebody who said, hey, I've been following you guys for four years. Thanks for the stuff you've sent to me. The timing's right. And I'm ready to try some new stuff.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, they got to feel the pain and it's, it's the pain they don't even realize they have until they meet you and see some of this stuff. And I mean, especially when you're talking about enterprise sales, you know, those are, those are long tail no matter what you do. It doesn't hurt that you have some pretty influential guys like Ben Carson out there putting out a blast of his every day with, Mm -hmm. you know, one of your charts attached to it. I mean, that's how I first discovered you guys, but it speaks when people of influence start, start putting out your, your stuff. It
1: definitely helps. And you know, the interesting thing on, on something like that is, Ben's been a customer of ours for four years, a paying customer of ours for a long, long time. And so... When people like that have an influence and word of mouth, oh, you know, that's the most wonderful sale we can make is when we didn't have to brag. I I just, this whole sales has always made me squeamish, right? I feel like I may be trying to pitch something to you that you don't need. I love when a third party has nice things to say about you and gives a prospective customer a real sense of comfort. We say a big thank you to them, but we know it came from a very honest place rather than there's no commission, no, no kickbacks, no nothing like that.
0: I said, you know, your, uh, your true product champions are the ones who love what it is you do, not, not the ones you pay to sell for you. That's yep. for sure. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think, and it's interesting. I mean, part of my realization when I looked into you guys was simply, wow, he's, he's pumping out a lot of high quality stuff. Like, and it seems like daily, yeah, I know he's got another job beyond blogging. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this cannot be, you know, he's clearly yeah. not sitting there struggling with the likes of some legacy softwares, to put this all together, and it's definitely not built in Excel. So what is it that's yep. going on here? So you just follow, follow that sort of stuff long enough and you're gonna be compelled to, to look into it yourself. So uh, the last question I have for everybody is a, big, is a big one always. So what excites you the most about what it is you're working on and gets you out of bed every morning to keep on fighting the good fight and, and pressing forward with this?
1: Hey, listen, nothing we do is as noble as coming up with a cure for a pandemic or solving old hunger. But what excites me is the moment, if you're a retail individual or an advisor, the moment you press buy, I want to buy that security. That's a moment of fundamental insecurity. It's a moment where you're saying, am I making the right decision? The thing that excites me is we believe that when our customers use our software, they have confidence to press buy or to rebalance or whatever they're trying to do. What fires me up is we give them confidence, we give them time back, we give them a high ROI, yet... We only have a small market share. If we have 5% Mm -hmm. of the the addressable market, I'm being generous to us. Mm -hmm. We have such a small market share. And I know there's so many more people that we can give confidence and better ability to communicate. That's what fires me up. And every day I wake up and say, how can we reach a few more of them? And how can we do a better
0: job serving those that we've already met? Excellent. Excellent. Well, I mean, the good thing about only having 5 percent of market share is you got a long way to double up. Sorry, a lot of ways to double up over <laughs> and over again is what I mean. So, I mean, yes, it's a it's a fundamental point of, of insecurity. I agree with you in that. But it's also, I mean, the reality is, is that you're taking very complex stuff that can be very complex, distilling it to something very simple. And I think at the end of the day, anything you can do to strengthen a client, a good the relationship between a good client and a good advisor, it's just mutually beneficial for so long. So helping enable that is a very powerful thing. So I hope that excites you.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Making the complex easy and the easy quick, it's, yep. that fires us up.
0: Good. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for taking the time today. I very much appreciate it. And uh, I'm, I encourage everybody to check out YCharts. Uh, it is available uh, several countries, is it not? So Canada, U.S., uh, where else do you market to? Really, we're
1: focused on North America, Canada, and the U.S., Mm-hmm. And we have plenty of international customers and and Jason, I wanted to potentially extend an offer if if okay to oh, you me. your <laughs> listeners. So Always. if any, any of your customers or any of your the people who download your podcast come and get in touch with us and mention the name of your podcast, I'm happy to extend a twenty percent off offer for a new customer before the end of July. So Excellent. anybody who wants to come try, try a free trial. And if you like it, come buy at a discounted price.
0: We get that to August because you're not publishing, you're not going out till the end of June.
1: <laughs> Would you like, well, yeah, you can,
0: I'll, I'll make end it of end August. of August. End of Excellent. August it is,
1: you're, you're a hard bargainer.
0: There we go. I negotiated in in, on behalf of all the listeners. So 20% <laughs> off to go before the end of August. So yes, Sean, thank you very much for your time. Very much appreciate it. And I encourage everybody to take the time to check it out. And again, you have, uh, you have 20% off to try it. So go for it, take care. Jason, thanks for having me on. My pleasure. So that was my interview with Sean Brown of Charts. I hope you enjoyed that. I hope you do take the time to check them out because as you heard, you are entitled to a discount if you do so before August. So as always, I'm your host, Jason Pereira, and this has been FinTech Impact. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever it is you get your podcasts. Until next time, take care.